politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow Paul Revere's and Minutemen to the Conservative Review podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz in the house, your only independent conservative talk show host around these days. We are here for you. We are working overtime to give voice to the voiceless. To give and disseminate the truth to those who need to hear it, to those who have platforms to magnify what we do here, I truly appreciate what you guys have done uh, promoting this show. Our numbers are up 40-50%. Again, this is not about me. This is about getting the truth out. Um, It's truly anguishing to think of how many issues need to be dealt with. I don't have time to write about them, to talk about them, even to tweet about every crazy thing I see. But the severity of Americans being wrongly locked down without due process, in violation of law, it's illegal, it's illogical, it's immoral. More and more evidence suggests it's wrong. It's funny, you know, former... uh, CDC head, what's his name? Scott Gottlieb, who's been pushing lockdowns. He puts out today, you know, there's a study of Chinese scientists that say uh, that all this stuff is being spread indoors, not outdoors. Well, gee, Sherlock. Yeah, some of us have been saying that for a while. Um, I wrote about that last week. So why don't you change your tune? But nothing changes. We have no voice. At the same time, I could talk about the anguish of literally a hundred years worth of jailbreak of violent prisoners being truncated into just a few weeks. Letting out murderers is a heart-wrenching story from Washington State. This woman, Tanya Fenton, one of you has sent this to me, and thank you, whoever you are, sending it to our Facebook group. This is what really helps me keep abreast to some of the news I might miss. But this woman whose mother was murdered by this guy in Washington State who murdered like six people they're now they now want to let him out and say he's mentally ill so he has to be let out because of coronavirus this is happening all over the country heart-wrenching video she put out um her father was shot too but survived and lives in the same place the guy threatened to come back and finish off the job they had to issue victim impact statements this week is national uh crime victim week National Crime Victim Week, established in 1981 by Ronald Reagan. The only one I see tweeting about it is is Ron DeSantis, Patriot, Governor of Florida. And yet at the same time, we have bastards like Doug Collins, congressman running for Senate in Georgia. Everyone thinks he's this big hero because he has good YouTube clips on impeachment. And this guy has never seen a criminal he didn't love. He tweets these distorted Bible verses. They evidently have something called Second Chance Month. Well, these people all have a hundred chances. It's built into the system. They'll never listen to stories from people like Tanya Fenton. Disgusting. Which leads me to my broader point. Where will our salvation come from? Will come from God, obviously. Certainly won't come from the Republican Party. Right now, the Republican Party, and yes, that includes Donald Trump, is the worst of all worlds. On the one hand, they have most of the power. 
They have two of the three federal branches. They still have a good degree of power in the states. So the Democrats and the left mobilize as if we have someone like you or me in charge. They blitz as if Donald Trump is Tom Brady. But then every single time, not only doesn't he complete the play, he tosses an interception more spectacularly than the Cleveland Browns. I I don't understand it. I want to love this guy. I want to hope, put my trust in him. He's all we have. Tell me, what am I missing? Every single thing he screws us over with in spectacular fashion. It's like he dangles a piece of meat in front of you, and right when you're about to chomp into it, it gets yanked away on a string. Every single time. He's empowering the McCarthy's, the McConnell's, the Swamp members. More than anyone else, all these people, they act as if, oh, look at what the Democrats are doing. And then when they have the opportunity to prevent it, when the ball is actually in play, they score points for the other side. They have this big pep talk before the play. Yeah, the Democrats, they're bankrupting us. They're, we need to reopen the government. What's going on here? And then when it gets to the leverage points, not only don't they make the play, but the few of us who are trying to get on the field and make a tackle, break up some of the terrible destructive plays of the truculent offense of Team Tyranny. Those of us on Team Liberty. Meanwhile, the most influential and looked up to members of what is supposed to be Team Liberty, but of course isn't, they tackle us instead of tackling them. Obviously, I have tons to talk about. Too much, too little time. We'll try to prioritize. But why is Trump sabotaging his strongest supporters? I just don't understand it. So yesterday, we had this stupid conference, the Tony and Debbie show, every day at 5.30. He should just cancel it already. Where Trump drops a nuclear bomb and he says he strongly disagrees with Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia's balanced approach to opening up the government, the opening up society and not suspending liberty and constitutional rights and the economy. And I'm thinking this is a guy who last week was tweeting at blue state governors, open up. Liberate Minnesota, right? He tweeted at Governor Tim Wallace and these fascists. And you have guys that pick up the mantle and fight for him. It's very hard in this scenario to be the first guy. It's kind of like, I forget what they talk about. Um, I, I don't remember offhand, just very vaguely, the story from the Vietnam War era where there was a problem with the parachutes and a number of paratroopers died. And General Westmoreland decided to be the first man to test, test it out. That's what Brian Kemp did. He's not perfect. There's things I disagree with. Heck, you you all know I really dislike the, a lot of policies of Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota. But look, you know, this is the issue of our time. They're rising to the occasion. Kudos to them. And he goes and he punches Brian Kemp in the face. And now he has no leg to stand on because the media headlines all over Georgia papers. Trump, I strongly disagree. What the hell is wrong with this guy? Is he schizophrenic? I mean, I'm serious. What is wrong with him? 
Is he mentally incapacitated? How do you explain that? Every other day, it's like one day on, one day off. I happen to know they pressured the hell out of Ron DeSantis, who had the perfect balance and achieved better results than other states. And they jumped on his case. It's like he'll talk our game on Twitter and then he'll literally do the opposite. I'm going to be the man to shut down illegal immigration. We have the worst border crisis under him. I'm going to go and have a coronavirus shut off of immigration because of unemployment. It turns out, maybe we'll get to this, our friends at Center for Immigration Studies, not only is not a single visa that wasn't already being issued because logistically everything shut down anyway, going to be issued, it's actually going to increase. Immigration is going to increase relative to where we were before. It's Orwellian, everything that happens with this man. I'm going to be the law and order guy. It's time to listen to the victims, all the things he said on the campaign. He goes and does jailbreak spectacularly like Obama didn't even do. What is, what is going on? I'm sick of the globalists. And then he goes and brings in the biggest globalists imaginable, Mnuchin and Jared and Gary Cohn. I mean, he's not there now, but all these guys, what is going on? What do you want me to do? Should I just sit back and, and, and just like ignore this? I, I don't understand. Like, I, look, I've defended the guy and said, I understand how when you have very tough issues, and you need a movement to build the case. And with a distracted conservative movement, a phony one at that, a subversive Republican Party. There's very few people to work with. There's few people to even hire in the executive branch to work with him. So he's not going to lead on his own. I understand that. But what's indefensible is when he takes 80-20 issues, 80% want to shut off, according to new polls. And he just flushes it. No-brainers. We are suffering the worst consequences from this coronavirus fascism, the worst debt, the worst dependency, the worst market distortions, the worst infringements upon liberties, the worst jailbreak. You would think the one no-brainer policy outcome is simply you stand before the American people. Look, there's 43% who are now underemployed or unemployed, and we're just getting started. Obviously, we're not going to bring in more foreign workers. And no, he brings them in. I want to refer you back. We have a lot of new people in the audience. If you haven't heard, look at episode 594, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get it. That's the episode where I went through all of the endorsements that Trump has made of never Trumpers. I mean, he, he would, you'll have a guy running who bled for Trump's cause, supported Trump early on when it wasn't popular, and he goes and endorses never Trumpers. I, I mean, well, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> Again, I'm told nothing matters. It's all about Mr. Trump. Okay, it's not about principle. It's not about outcomes. Doing what's okay, fine. I I, I want to sign me up. I want to fight for Mr. Trump. How do I do it? Show me. What? Where? Where's the blueprint? Every time. I mean, I was getting ready to write an article, something like ten reasons for a shutoff. 10 data points of, on why we need uh, more tournament immigration, really like buttressing his case. I mean, no one will defend him more rigorously than me when he gets it right. 
And then before I had a chance to sit down and write it, he pulled it away. Center for Immigration Studies reports, this actually turns back on certain visas that we actually were shutting off. EB-5! These are the investor visas from China. So it's not just bringing in more potential virus spreaders from China, but also what's the second half of the virus crisis? The fact that we are so dependent on China to then deal with the medical supply, the food supply, yada, yada. That is embodied through the EB-5 visas where we basically hand out, we incentivize wealthy Chinese to just buy up America and get citizenship for their children to boot. And then engage in spying and espionage while they're at it. That's literally how we pay for the rope to hang ourselves with. Stolen sovereignty. Sell out our citizenship to China. Turning on those visas at this time is like putting up the Al-Qaeda flag on Ground Zero after 9-11. What the heck? I mean, what is wrong with this guy? I'm sick of all the talk, the talking points. Oh, the Democrats, look at what the Democrats are doing. Okay, fine. And then when the ball is in play, they not only don't stop them, not only do they agree with the Democrats, but they viciously savage those who are fighting for the original clarion call that Trump himself put out. What the freaking heck? Thomas Massey. So I was on Mark Levin's show last night. If you haven't heard it, it's um towards the end, 20 minutes in the last like uh, of the last 40 minutes of the show. He had me on for two segments. I'm very thankful. He's been a stalwart and one of the few that's really gotten back to focusing on substance and issues, talking about the fascism, talking about the jailbreak, talking about all the evidence and the science behind it being counterintuitive to even stopping the virus, much less the collateral damage. Kudos to that. I really, I mean, he's the only major figure who will give me a platform. And so I I didn't hear it, but I re-listened to it afterwards, after I was already on, the hour before he had on Kevin McCarthy. Now, I don't know exactly what happened, but what I'm assuming is, is Kevin McCarthy, by the way, is it just me? I never listened to him, but I listened to the clip. He sounded like a child molester. Like you got to listen to it. It was just the guy sounds like a like like an utter creep. He's the most oleaginous, oily, sleazy politician I've ever seen. So I'm assuming he asked to be on because that's what he does. He courts conservatives, and he sweet talks them. Now Mark is a very classy guy. If you notice, like. He's very rigorous on his show, but if if someone asks to come on, he'll have them on. And once they're on, he's not going to be rude to them. He actually isn't. Sometimes he gets rough with callers, but if there's a guest, he's not going to, he's going to play it straight. That's just how he is. And he just let him talk. And I was listening to McCarthy, <coughs> and it literally sounded like he was a bystander. Like he's like you and I. Oh, I have no power. I'm the minority leader. But you're the minority leader with close ties to the president and the majority leader in the Senate who control two out of the three bodies. Okay? And he's like, yeah, this spending is out of control. So, dude, 
You voted for four iterations of this already that throw the money into a black hole. Oh, to keep payroll. No, but you voted for it where that has a provision paying people fifty to $60,000 without having to pay FICA taxes for, for manual labor jobs. That there's numerous articles all over the country now where they can't keep payroll if they wanted to because people would rather not work in those jobs. They knew this was coming. Massey warned about it. And then the guy has the balls to get up there and say, Pelosi wants to have proxy voting. Dude, this is what Massey warned against. And you savaged him. And your entire team savaged him. This is the new shtick. The new talking point. This is what they do. Every day they have this new like rally around the flag. Ooh, Pelosi wants proxy voting. Okay? But I have news for you. What McCarthy and McConnell have done and have enabled is worse than proxy voting. It's no voting at all. At least proxy voting officially, you'll have one member who will vote and then declare. And, you know, let's say I'm Congressman Massey and I'm voting for Chip Roy. And Chip would have voted like this. And you submit the vote to the clerk of the house. Now, I, don't, I certainly don't support that. But I'm saying that would actually be an upgrade from what they're doing now, which is just voice vote. No recorded vote whatsoever. That was Massey's whole point, and they ridiculed him. They joined with John Kerry. Remember John Kerry came out of, out of uh, his uh, nursing home? I never heard from him in a while. And he's like, Massey's a nutcase. I finally agree with Trump on something. This is what they do. It's like they act like heroes while they're sitting and screwing us on the very issue. Proxy voting is the new shiny object. They'll pick something Democrats might want to do, but don't really have the votes or leverage to enact it, militate against it. And then there's something that they're doing that's even worse that is the current issue, current issue at hand. And then they not only don't fight it when they have the ability to block it, they facilitate it and then savage anyone who wants to, who wants to fight it. Many of you saw I beat up on Dan Crenshaw yesterday. He put out this thing. This is terrible. You know, voting. Uh, how dare you, you know, not show up and do your work, Democrats. This is, this is the whole McCarthy, Liz Cheney, Scalise, Crenshaw. Um, what's that other rhino from hell that, that, that's, that's a hero now? At least Stefanik, Doug Collins, you know, the, the pro jailbreak, open borders, dungheads. Um, so all these guys are like, the Democrats don't want to work. You know, if it's good enough that the grocery workers and Amazon delivery people have to work, then you should have to work. Gee, do you know who made that comment? Do you know who made that comment? Thomas Massey weeks ago. But he made the comment not just as a throwaway line on Fox News to get followers. He made it when it mattered to try to block the precedent of voting on the most important legislation of our lifetime without a recorded vote. He made the point, and he was savage. He was kicked out of the caucus. They're donating against his opponent, all these guys. Where was Crenshaw defending Massey, or at least saying, you know what? I I was wrong. I think he's right now. Nothing. I'm not not just trying to criticize Crenshaw as, as a fraud. I'm making a strategic point. People like myself, like, like Massey, like Chip Roy... We're on the outs. 
We're not members in good standing of the political class. But people like Dan Crenshaw, man, he's the golden boy. He's he he's the golden boy. He he you know, McConnell will listen to him. Trump will listen to him. So if you really believe that, go out and do it. Enact it. Oh well, we're in the minority. Yes, but it takes three branches to pass a damn bill, and you and you have control of the other two branches. Tell McConnell to stop doing the same thing Pelosi is doing and passing the same crap that you say you don't like, but then vote for it by acclamation. They do this every single time. They act like they're outside commentators. So resign if you don't want to do anything. These people suck. Beyond belief. And now... As President Trump dumps on Brian Kemp, you know who else is joining in? Devious Doug Collins, running for Senate there, congressman from Northern Georgia. He's like, I don't know. There's some outbreaks here in Northern Georgia. I don't think this is the best thing to do. He was on Fox News earlier this morning saying that. So you mean to tell me this little SOB who co-sponsored a bill with Hakeem Jeffries, one of the impeachment managers, to literally let out sex offenders and every federal offender, which are the worst of the worst. This guy doesn't believe in prison. This guy is championing all week on Twitter during National Crime Victim Week, which he won't say a word about, championing criminals at a time When the most violent criminals are being released, his state has a terrible gang problem. There's terrible, terrible problems of repeat offenders being released in Georgia. Brian Kemp is trying to deal with it. But you say, all right, you know, he's a big libertarian. He just hands off, just doesn't want government at all, even against criminals. All right, fine. But now the very same SOB that believes that believes that criminals who have been duly convicted with insane degrees of due process, a hundred light years beyond what our founders envisioned in the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, that they need to be undone unilaterally and let out of jail. This same fecal matter of a human being is now advocating that we should indefinitely continue the suspension of core inalienable natural rights of Americans, of peaceful law-abiding Americans without due process. Friends, Romans, countrymen, that is your Republican Party for you. Folks, I want you to go on Facebook and go to the page of Tanya Ann Fenton. And I'll be posting this later. It's, It's a heart rending, gut-wrenching video, 11-minute video of this woman, um, Tanya Fenton. Maybe I'll try to get her on the show. She's in court today. This Columbia Legal Services group in Washington State is demanding that the, that the court, the state Supreme Court, appoints a special master to release up to 12,000 criminals. And they don't even operate under the veneer of low-level, nonviolent, you know, the whole fraud with that, they don't take into account criminal history at all. It's just anyone they feel is over 55, at risk, or mentally ill, which I don't know what that has to do with coronavirus, but whatever, um, should be released. Well, as always, they claim that all murderers are mentally ill. This is something Reagan warned about 
endlessly in the 80s, and it's only gotten worse since then. And one of these guys, his name is Isaac Zamora. This guy shot Tanya's mother. Um, they, they didn't know him. It was a random crime spree. He killed six people on a different, like a shooting spree, different areas, I think within the same day or so. Um, one of them was a sheriff's deputy. Um, but the other one was her parents. The father survived. The mother was brutally killed. Her head was decapitated. And, I mean, all along this wasn't a slam dunk. This guy should have been fried within a year. But, of course, it was life without parole. All right, well, that's better than some other cases. It's what it's, It could be it's the most notorious murder in this county's history. 2008. Now, what's interesting is I looked up his criminal record, and he had a conviction for theft, and then nine months before the murder, a drug conviction, and he didn't get any time. It was right. He wound up being released. The case was disposed of in December 2007. And the murder, I believe, was September 8th, 2008. So these are your Doug Collins low level offenders. As Reagan warned, those are the people who wind up committing all the violent crimes, are the ones that, you know, you catch with the theft, you catch with the burglary. And again, if they're mentally ill, all the more so. So their whole thing is, oh, no, it's not their fault. Don't worry, it's not their fault. Well, if it's not their fault and they can't, ha- they can't help themselves, then certainly they're a danger, and they have to be locked up in some sort of institution permanently. But he wasn't, and he went out and killed six people. So this wasn't a slam dunk all along. All along they've been pushing. See, the courts discovered that the death penalty is unconstitutional. You see, after 250 years of it being used on this continent, it suddenly becomes unconstitutional. So then they said, well, wait a minute. You convicted the guy to life in prison pursuant to the death penalty looming over him. So now you have to have an entirely new trial. So they've been, this family has not had closure and peace even to begin with. And now they all have to get involved, go down to the court. The hearing is going on as we speak, give uh, victim impact statements, and God knows what's going to happen. Like, this is where. There is no shred of intellectual honesty from 99% of the conservative movement from the Heritage Foundation on down. You want to disagree with me over drugs and this and that, even though, again, most of them have many other convictions, many other arrests. They're pled down, yada, yada. We could talk about that all day long and how these are violent criminals, whatever. But the Democrats are going straight to murderers. They're letting out murder straight up. Virginia's doing this. They're all doing this. Before coronavirus, now now they're using coronavirus to just do it for free without even passing legislation. Where are they? Ah, Lola, Daniel, we need a criminal justice reform. Why is it that at every turn, when we need a defensive lineman, they go and help score points for the other team? This is an Orwellian party. It's truly disgusting. And these stories from of Tanya Fenton are true every day. But like Doug Collins, like 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 the little uh, sob he is, put out these virtue signaling things. You know, you should try to meet with some former prisoners someday and realize who they are. Hey, buddy, you should try to meet with victims of crime someday. Truly unbelievable. But again, why is Trump sabotaging? DeSantis and Kemp, his strongest supporters, 
who are pushing what he said he wants. What is his game? I know I don't have advanced degrees from uh, Ivy League schools, so maybe I'm not that bright. But explain to me the four-dimensional chess going on here, because I don't see it. I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. So we're told that all that matters nowadays is if you're a supporter of Mr. Trump. And not, not, not the policies undergirding his, the movement that elected him, but as a person. So fine, sign me up. I want to be pro-Mr. Trump. Okay, I, I, that's what I want to do. H- how do I do that? Explain to me, what is the blueprint? What do I support? Well, Mr. Trump said he wants to open up, you know, uh, and fight with the Democrat governors. Great, sign me up. I'll, I'll do battle. I'll do battle with my own governor, Lockdown Larry, <clears throat> who's, who's one of the leaders on this. But then he goes and pulls the rug out. Oh, I want to be for victims of crime. Sign me up. Oh, actually, I'm for a jailbreak. I want an immigration moratorium. Well, actually, we're going to expand it. Dude, I mean, like, wh- what am I supposed to do with a guy like this? This whole thing doesn't make any sense. But the immorality of what is going on at the same time letting out criminals and criminal aliens yet locking up Americans. Speaking of this guy, Governor Jay Inslee. Inslee the imbecile. Inslee the invalid. Inslee the illogical illegitimate and immoral governor of Washington state is now very upset with these sanctuary counties, these sheriffs in some of the counties that are pushing back against enforcing unconstitutional orders of home confinement. Suddenly, this piece of garbage doesn't like sanctuaries. So he only likes sanctuaries for lawbreakers and dangerous people, and people that that broke into our country and don't have a right to be there. But sanctuaries for Americans who by birth and natural law have the right to freedom of movement. No. No, then suddenly, how dare you not follow the law? Well, even though it's not the law, it's my edict, which violates the law of the land, which is the U.S. Constitution. I, I could not have written a storyline. Sometimes I get accused of hyperbole, but I'm understating what's going on here. I could never have exaggerated a story to illustrate absurdity <clears throat> that would ever reach the magnitude of what is going on today. But that's the story. And then again, the entire science behind what is going on is debunked. It's like global warming. By the way, before I forget, I want to share an interesting thought with you. There's this guy, Tony Pan. He's a local weather guy here in Baltimore. Uh, he has an interesting like weather blogs and podcasts. So you know, he's out there on Twitter too. And he put out a very interesting observation yesterday that I really want to share with you. And, you know, he was saying, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be political here. I just really, scientifically, I want to know what is your, your um, theory. So what's going on now is there's something very, very interesting. Um, <clears throat> something very interesting 
that when you have economic and liberty nuclear Hiroshima going on, so you could study things that you would have never studied before because um, the world has now become a Petri dish for surreal scenarios that you would have to kind of ascertain and guess with studies. Now you could study it in real life. You know, one of them is what we we're talking about, jailbreak, where we, we debate jailbreak. Well, now we have it, and now we could see the effects of it. There's another thing that's interesting, too. <clears throat> so for years, the left has told us that it's settled science that there's global warming. Oh, whoops, well, it's not settled. It's um, settled that it's climate change. So it's not warming. It's whatever happens is bad, and it's because of human productivity. And it needs to be shut down. Well, look, you can't deny that what has occurred now is a greater shutdown than anything they could have ever dreamt of. I mean, it's it shut down. I mean, you're seeing all these heat maps. They're showing how the pollution is like non-existent. There's no productivity. So, okay. So it's, there's, there's nothing going on. I mean, this is what they always wanted to take America back to, you know, 1621, when it was all trees and Indians and there's nothing there and the life expectancy was 40 um, and that they think that's good. Okay, so you got it. Now, if they are right, wouldn't you think for a minute that, well, the CO2 levels would plummet? I mean, emissions are almost nothing now. Everything's shut down. So we're contributing to the CO2 and that's global warming and whatever. So he points out, I'm just reading a tweet from, it's Tony Penn, WBAL. That's the local uh, CBS affiliate here. Earth Day observation. No politics, just facts. The March CO2 reading at the Manuelao Hawaii Observatory was 414 ppm. The current reading is 416 ppm, slightly up. Over the last six weeks, we have likely seen the biggest drop in global emissions in modern history. Why no drop in the CO2 level? Now, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think I'm right to augment his point. If anything, the existing cyclical baseline, even of existing, like the same level of emissions, should we should have even higher levels of CO2 in April over March because the foliage... My understanding is the winter always has the least and it increases in the spring because of the foliage. The leaves give off CO2. So the fact that it has not gone, that, that, that the um, emissions, again, you would think would be even higher. They should be even higher. You know, cyclically, much higher. Much, much higher. And yet, I don't know. There's just something really funny there. I don't know what the answer is. But I'm just telling you, like, here's the thing. They they tell us that on the one hand, the earth is so fickle, we could influence it. But on the other hand, there's nothing we can do. But shut down democracy and capitalism, and we'll save the world. Well, dude, I mean, you ain't going to get better than what we're doing now. 
So we should really be seeing some big progress because if we don't, this entire thing is a fraud. You realize that. So that's just one observation I want to share with you. One other point, and we're going to have, again, a ton of content. Go to Conservative Review, click on my name, or just Google Daniel Horowitz Conservative Review. And if you click on my name, you could just see the chronology of my articles and columns and uh, podcasts, obviously. It's one of the ways to get them. So one of the things I just can't figure out is why nobody is talking about how many people are going to die? Where are the studies and the models and the simulations on how much life expectancy will diminish from the lack of health care being provided? And again, it's not the virus shutting that down. It's the shutdown shutting it down where they have no work to do because they're not overtaxed with the virus. Yet they're not allowed to do other procedures University hospital system, I I guess it's either the first or second largest hospital system in Ohio, along with the Cleveland Clinic. They announced yesterday that they are cutting back 4,000 employees, 20% of their salaries, and suspending 401k, 403b contributions. They say that they're losing. So now you might say, well, it's coronavirus doing it. But no, Ohio is not overrun at all. They put out the numbers. They say every day they are losing $42 million of revenue a day and then $5 million extra from the supplies and precautions and coronavirus. So the coronavirus cost is $5 million. The shutdown cost is $42 million a day. Now, a lot of people are going to focus on the dollar sign. But what no one's talking about is the healthcare access that is being lost represented by those dollar signs. Could you imagine losing $42 million worth of healthcare access a day? This is what nobody's talking about. I'm seeing all sorts of stories about transplants being put off, organ transplants, vital healthcare services, cancer, heart disease, certainly colonoscopies, mammograms, Melanoma checks, uh, you know, other preventative checks and, you know, what's considered routine checkups, but for high-risk patients that are very <clears throat> important, not like, you know, for someone like me, okay, I, you know, I barely go to the doctor, okay, so let's say I have a scheduled well checkup once every five years, falls down, I'll fine, I don't do it, but, you know, high-risk diabetes, heart patients that, you know, they might be regular checkups, but they're vital. How many people are dying? What does that do to life expectancy? CBS um, talked to ER doctors in at least a dozen, half a dozen states who said they're taking pay cuts of 40%. Well, ER, you would think, well, Daniel, I thought we only shut down non-essential. You know, ER is emergency, right? So that's still operating, right? Aren't they overrun with coronavirus? So at least they should get overtime because of, no, they're not overrun. They're not overrun with that, but everything else is shut down. But then there's the other half of it that, because of what the government and the media is doing, you have a secondary effect that even even like ER, which isn't shut down like like other surgeries, but they have induced such a degree of panic that people are scared to go to the hospital. 
According to the American Cancer Society, 51% of cancer patients reported in a recent survey that their care had been impacted. Most common were delays for in-person provider appointments. That's 50% of them. Um, 20% said delayed access to imaging services to determine if a patient's cancer had grown or returned. 20% said access to supportive services, including physical therapy or mental health care. And 8% said they actually had access to surgical procedures. Cancer surgery denied. 8%, but it's still there. Folks, what, why is, I mean, I, mean I, I just don't understand this. We were told that millions would die if we repeal Obamacare because they'll be denied access to, to health care. Well, I mean, if you believe that, then tens of millions should die from this. It makes no sense. What we're doing makes no sense, and this is the point. We're not saying we make pretend like nothing's going on. I don't touch surfaces. I go out with gloves. Careful with it. Things I would never otherwise do. That makes all the difference. A healthy dose of fear and concern, which is already there by a magnitude of a million. Stop it. It's overkill now. There's a great line. Great line I recently saw in a Forbes article. Which countries are handling COVID-19 crisis best? And they make a point. I, I, I want to check out this survey. I didn't um, check the study out from University of T- Tokyo. A working paper released by researchers at the University of Tokyo in Japan might explain why COVID-19 fear and effective crisis management might not coincide. Surveying over 2,800 Japanese adults, the researchers found that even non-mandatory government directives were effective in increasing pessimism and caution which in turn encouraged the behavioral changes necessary to, st- to, to stanch the spread of the virus. In other words, in times of pandemic, a government's ability to instill a healthy amount of fear in its citizens may be one of the more effective ways to keep them healthy. That's all you need. See, that, that, that's the big lie here. When they show studies of lockdown versus doing nothing... I want to show lockdown versus Japan, Taiwan levels of very being very careful, very healthy dose of, of fear and concern and prudence versus and, and, and here's the deal. Doing it voluntarily makes a huge difference because you're not suspending the Constitution. Remember, you can never take that back. You can never take that back. It's unbelievable what, what we're doing here. Meanwhile, we won't even do the first step, which is just to suspend foreign travel of immigration of people who have no right to come here. That's the easiest spread to stop. Do you know that in March, they conducted the diversity visa lottery? Guess who who the winner was? Egypt. Egypt. All the people escaping Sisi, who's good, all the Muslim Brotherhood people being persecuted by Sisi. We are now bringing in the reverse persecution from places like Egypt. You, you, you could not have... Orwell is boring compared to what our government is doing. This is an immoral government from head to toe. I want to end off 
with two things. I'm just going to read verbatim just so you hear it. If you haven't read it, you need to hear it. This as well as an email from a listener. Here's my uh, new Declaration of Independence. I'm just going to read the indictment part mirrored after the original indictment of King George. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. The political class has refused to allow us to peacefully assemble, worship our God, and earn a living, even when those activities are done, using best public health and hygiene practices. They have banned our most basic natural right to freedom of movement, even as individuals, and have forced us to wear humiliating masks. A government that has consistently concocted privileges and called them rights has now crushed the most foundational right of personal liberty defined by Blackstone as, quote, the power of locomotion, of changing situation, or removing one's person to whatsoever place one's own inclination may direct without imprisonment or restraint, unless by due course of law. They have arbitrarily and indefinitely made restrictions on movements, activities, and property rights protected by the 1st, 5th, and 14th Amendments of the Constitution, yet they have left open liquor and marijuana shops. They endangered the public health by keeping the subways open in the most virus-stricken cities while demanding you report on your neighbors for not properly socially distancing outside on a sidewalk. They have forced the closure and bankruptcy of many hospitals and reduction in medical staff under the guise of conserving resources to treat the virus. But when their predictions of hospitals being overrun failed to materialize and the medical staffs were left without work, they maintained the restrictions on vital health care procedures. After reams of studies have been produced by prestigious research institutions showing that the government's unprecedented strategy of treating a virus with house arrest was refuted by facts, our leaders repeatedly refused to consider other opinions and sought to stifle the free flow of debate. The same tyrants who viciously went after law-abiding citizens for exercising their God-giving rights released thousands of dangerous criminals onto our streets. The same corrupt judges who, almost without exception, refused to intervene when fundamental rights were being stripped from citizens mandated, citizens mandated the release of dangerous criminal illegal aliens into our communities instead of repatriating them back to their countries. The same governments that have allowed their city places and churches to become sanctuaries for gang members and sex offenders who have infiltrated our country illegally refuse to allow such sanctuary for peaceful American citizens. The same government that has induced record unemployment continues to admit and extend foreign worker visas, including for people from China, the very source country of this crisis. While while Americans remain under house arrest, supposedly to stop the spread of a virus through movement of people, over 1,000 Afghan nationals have been brought into the country as refugees, itself a policy born out of unjust sacrifice of American blood and treasure in a godforsaken land. The same government that failed to protect us from a China virus by recklessly bringing in travel and immigrants from, for months on end finally responded to the virus by turning the nation into China's reign of tyranny. The same government that has made vital goods scarce through an arbitrary and capricious shutdown has spent years making us dependent on the very country that wrought this plague on the world. As criminals are released without monitoring devices, Americans are now being monitored by Chinese drones that our own government warned could be providing information to the very government that is responsible for this plague. Rather than getting Americans working again with tax cuts and deregulation, 
Our government has bankrupted our future and debased our, our currency with trillions of printed dollars to pay people and incentivize them not to work. Taken in totality, these actions are designed to ensure that Americans can no longer live in freedom and dignity without being vassals to government while being forced to confront the anarchy of criminals and illegal aliens roaming their streets. Folks, I need you guys to be Paul Revere's. I need you guys to be Minutemen. Go to Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary. Send an email to our team, what state you're from. Warn. Warn about what they're doing. People don't realize. We need to get the truth out, what your governors are doing. A lot of you are being very helpful. A lot of my content comes from this. One of you just sent me a great Maryland story I'm, I'm going to work on with Lockdown Larry. Um, this, this is the way I could you know, bring it up the flagpole, give it to some of the bigger platforms, the few members of Congress and the executive branch who will listen, try to get this out there. That's the best we can do is, is inform and educate for now. I want to just end off with a beautiful poem sent to me by Susan, a listener from Atlanta. We've been talking about Georgia a lot today. The American novelist and poet Josiah Holland in the 1800s. God give us men. Famous poem. God give us men. A time like this demands strong minds, great hearts, true faith, and ready hands. Men whom the lust of office does not kill. Men whom the spoils of office cannot buy. Men who possess opinions and a will. Men who have honor. Men who will not lie. Men who can stand before a demagogue and damn his treacherous flatteries without winking. Tall men, sun-crowned, who live above the fog in public duty and in private thinking. For while the rabble, with their thumb-worn creeds, their large professions and their little deeds mingle in selfish, selfish strife low. Freedom weeps. Wrong rules the land. And waiting justice sleeps. Wow. That really defines our situation. And such men define the antithesis of the Republican Party. We need a new party. We need a new movement. We need a Miniman party, a Miniman movement, whatever you want to call it. May God make this cathartic moment, this dangerous, terrible time, turn on a dime into a time of light and enlightenment. Folks, I, I think we're on the cusp of something. You got to be patient. I got to be patient myself. Let's keep up the good work. Subscribe to Blaze TV, promo code Daniel. See you again tomorrow.